Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the in-season podcast with PL, PLL Chaos head coach, Andy Towers. It is February 24th. We had some huge games uh, this past weekend and are really fired up to go over your top 20 and talk about it. How you doing, AT? Uh, I'm doing well. A little uneasy trying to put together this top 20. It's a little, uh, it's a little too early uh, to go on data points alone and, and tough to not use optics. And so again, it's, it's a subjective list. All these polls are always subjective, but you know, I, I like to be able to verbally justify every decision that I make in where I put teams. And I can't, I just can't do that at this point because there's just too few games played. Um, and there are teams that you could justify ranking four, and you could also justify ranking them 16. <laughs> and so you kind of just got to do the best you can. And so um, anybody that is listening to this, uh, if you are thinking he's out of his mind, you're, you're probably right. <laughs> or you because there's, there's teams that look really good that haven't played as tough of competition. There's teams that have played really tough competition that have had a couple losses. Um, you know, so it's, uh, it, it is tough without a ton of data. Yeah, it, it really is. It really is. Hey, I'm really excited to let everybody know that we are, we just uh, inked a new deal with Oxia Time. So Oxia Time that makes these amazing watches um, it's a company founded by John Canaris, uh, former goalie at Penn, um, had the, uh, opportunity to play in a final four in 1988 and actually be dunked on by Gary Gate in the actual air gate. Um, and he's really created these awesome watches. And so, um, really fired up. We're going to have a new segment that is called the Oxia time player of the year. Oxia time used to only have access to Ivy league, but now, They've got access to and will have access to all schools. Um, they actually had a sick championship watch for LSU football this year. Um, Lars did one for the University of Virginia and their championship. So it's really cool stuff. That's, um, that's awesome. He did uh, LSU, huh? Yeah, isn't that neat? Yeah, that's really cool. All right, let's dive right in. Number 20, the Richmond Spiders coming off a tough game at Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, you know, look, there's a bunch of teams that you could put in this slot, but, you know, I'm going over body of work and combining that with the way that they played. They looked great when they played against Maryland, except for the end of the game. And then I was expecting them to actually go out and win this game against Notre Dame, and instead they just got blown out. I mean, I think they were up 4-2, and then it happened. And Notre Dame – loaded up on them 13 to five you look at that game you really start to think Notre Dame wow they, they've got to be for real and we've always kind of thought that but Richmond given the fact that 
they've played two ranked teams. They lost to Maryland by a goal. They got killed by Notre Dame. They have a good win over Marist, who has a win over Army. And they have a win over Navy, who we don't quite know who they are yet. Um, two and two with Duke next. This, you know, they're going to go to, they're going to, they're going to play Duke this weekend. And if they win, they're going to be cemented in the final, four, uh, in, the, in this top 20 for me. And if they lose, they'll be out this week. But I haven't been 20. Yeah, well-coached team, athletic, and they ran into a real into a buzzsaw, uh, which can happen at Notre Dame sometimes. Notre Dame is very, very athletic, and Charlie Leonard went 19 for 20 at the faceoff X. My boy, love that kid, and uh, he was awesome. One of the most underrated guys out there. Okay, number 19, UMass. UMass, they lost to Harvard. Jerry Byrne. Congrats on his first win as the Harvard head coach. He's undefeated since he's gotten that job. As a UMass alum, he's got to be so pumped. So I was really happy for them. Um, normally after a loss, you would think this team isn't going to survive in the top 20, but they're one and two. They've beaten Ohio State, and they lost to Army, and they got killed. And they have a disappointing loss. I think they would consider that a disappointing loss to Harvard. But still, the fact that they've played a tough schedule, three games, two of which – are basically top 20 teams. Ohio State, you know, I don't have Ohio State in my top 20, but, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, it's still a really good win. So I got UMass hanging on at 19. Number 18, Marist at 2-1. and one. Yeah, Marist didn't play this past weekend. Their next game is Hartford. Uh, they're still in on the strength of their 17-9 win over Army. They're 2-1. They have a loss to Richmond, who's in the top 20. They have a win over Army in the top 20. Again, they played three games, two of which are in the top 20, and they're one in one of those games. 18 seems right. Number 17, Army, coming off a tough week with a loss to Marist midweek and a game against Syracuse in which they were leading until the last five minutes of the game. Yeah, easily could have flip-flopped these two spots 17 and 18 with army and Maris. Maris beats army so how are they behind them i don't know maybe i just wasn't organized enough when i really looked at this um but defending army's position at 17 a, uh, you know 17 to 4 win over umass they beat Rutgers, who took loyola down to this to the wire this past weekend they pounded njit they played syracuse really really well they just couldn't hang on for the win so the fact that Syracuse is having such a good year to this point, and, you know, so I put them at 17. I think they're worthy of that. But I could see somebody's point if they said that Army should be behind Maris, given that Maris beat them. But I like them at 17. Number 16 and undefeated, the Hobart Statesman. Yeah, they haven't played anybody. They've run it up three games in the 20. I think they have to be the highest scoring team in the country at this point with 22 against Canisius, 26 against Siena, 21 against Colgate. They haven't played anybody. Their next game is Syracuse on Friday, I believe. And listen, they're going to be able to score goals. This team, this team is volatile offensively, but if they can't win faceoffs, they're going to have a tough time stopping Syracuse, I believe. Um, you know, this is, this is going to be a game that Hobart could win. I don't think they will, but they certainly could win. And if they do win this, now they're going to be 4-0 with a win over – you know, a top 10 team. And, and I can see Hobart coming in, you know, in the top 10 potentially next week. But just given the fact that the 3-0 blowing everybody out, um, you know, I, I feel like they got to be in the list and I got them at 16. All right. So let's talk about number 15, Denver at 3-1. and 
Yeah, not a lot has changed. They played two uh, layup games this weekend against St. Bonnie's, who they pounded 16-3. to They held on for a commercial four-goal victory versus Cleveland State yesterday. Again, their, their, their win is Air Force, um, you know, and, and their loss is Duke. And so I feel like they beat Air Force. So that's a quality win to this point. We'll see what happens with Air Force's season, if, if they can continue to get it done or if they're the team that, um, you know, that, that lost to Cleveland State. I, don't, I can't figure out which one they are. Um, but just the fact that, that the Air Force is their strongest win. They got Carolina next at home. If they beat the Heels, again, I can see them going up in, into the top 10. I don't think they're going to beat Carolina this year. In years past, they've always seemed to have their number by a goal or two. I think this year, uh, Carolina is going to drop the hammer on them out in Denver. So I got Denver at 3-1 and one, um, with a real stiff test coming up this weekend versus the Heels. Number 14, the 2-2 two and two Duke Blue Devils. Yeah, their win is over Denver. Um, they've played a reasonably tough schedule with Denver and Air Force and Penn. They lost to Penn at home this weekend. A little bit of a surprise given that Sam Hanley did not play for the Quakers. But, you know, but not that big of a surprise, to be honest with you. I, I do think Duke, from a personnel standpoint, isn't close to as scary as they've been in years past. And Penn, on the other hand, I think is very scary with a very, very, very good face-off guy. I think the number two guy in the country. And uh, so the fact that they're two and two with a win over Denver and high point versus losses to Air Force and Penn, you know, they, they played a really tough schedule to this point. But, again, they're two and two. So I got them at 14. Yeah. Well, their win against Denver could definitely hold up. You know, Denver, you know, has a way of winning big games and, and being there in the RPI in the end. Their loss to Air Force, unfortunately, is probably going to hold up too, um, simply because they're showing to be just a little bit too inconsistent. Um, you never know. Um, but, um, but that, you know, in this day and age, when it comes down to really, really close decisions at the end, um, bad losses are hurting you more than big wins are helping you, it seems like, in this day and age, although it's different year to year. Sure. All right, so number 13, Villanova, uh, with a huge week, beating Maryland midweek, 13-12, and then knocking off a two-goal win over Hofstra. Yeah, they, they've played arguably the toughest schedule in the country at this point, playing Maryland, Hofstra, Penn State, and Yale. And they're two and two. Like you said, they beat Maryland Tuesday, 13-12, in which was a huge victory. They seem to do it to some top-ranked team every single year. They've done it to Yale a couple of times. Um, you know, at 2-2 two and two with their best win being over Maryland and, a, and another great win over Hofstra, 10-8, I, I feel like maybe Villanova is, is better than this. But again, with 2-2, two and two, they're, they're the highest-ranked two-loss team on my board. Uh, they got Delaware next, which is going to be a really tough game for them given the strength of Delaware's Goalie, um, you know, I, I think I think Villanova's going to win the game, but uh, to this point, two and two with a re with the toughest schedule played, they deserve to be the highest ranked team with two losses. I have them at thirteen. Yeah, Coach Carrado seems to just do it every year, and he's so under the radar. Um, really, uh, 
really unbelievable job. All right, so let's talk about number 12, Loyola. Yeah, they had a little bit of a, of a lackluster finish. They were up 7-3 to three at Rutgers at one point. I expected them to extend that lead and win handily. And, and to Rutgers' credit, they bounced back and, and made it a game, even though Loyola completely dominated the faceoffs. You know, Loyola seems – I've always thought of Loyola as an as a, as a explosive offensive team, but it seems like offensively this year – they, they aren't that scary. Averaging 10 goals a game, they, they beat Rutgers 11-10. They beat Hopkins the week before 10-7. They lost the first week to Virginia 12-9. So they're not scoring the way that they traditionally score. But the good news for them is they're holding people down defensively. And, and, and part of that credit goes to Sam Schaefer, their goaltender, who's had a great year to this point. And part of the credit goes to Bailey Savio, who's doing a great job at the X and making sure that they're not seeing a lot of offense uh, it's going to be interesting to see how things play out. With Towson on Wednesday, that's always a scary team. You know Towson's geared up to play that game. They knocked them off last year when I think Loyola was number one in the country. Um, so we're going to find out a little bit more about Loyola on Wednesday. But at two and one, um, I, feel, I feel pretty good about them at 12. Yeah, they're solid. And, and, and Coach is doing an unbelievable job of, you know, in this post-Pat Spencer era of managing you know you know people always talk about a team that knows who they are I, I feel like they're playing that way they're playing smart they're 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 getting ride backs and like you said right up the middle with their goaltending and faceoffs. their scores manageable um Rutgers struggling a little bit um you know look like they might come back and and, and, and they need a win the they worst need, they need that win that would have been a great one for them yeah they did the top 20 all right so Surprising pick right here, A.T., number 11, the 3-1 and one Penn State Nittany Lions. Yeah, you know, listen, um, this is going to be too low. You know, they're, they're a better team than 11. There's no question. A lot like I felt about Penn last week when I ranked Penn at 16. You know, you look at Penn State's body of work. Their only win is Villanova, right? They beat them 19-10, to 10, which was a hammer job. Their other win was over St. Joe's, who's actually done well in every other team they've beaten Delaware and they've beaten PC, which is, which is two good wins for St. Joe's, but their wins are Villanova, St. Joe's and Lafayette and Villanova is the only win that's holding up as a, as a quality win in my eyes right there. They lost to Yale 12, 10 and Yale was in control of that game pretty much throughout Penn state did make a push in the third period to get it within one goal, I believe, but then Yale was able to ride, uh, you know, ride it out and, and win the game. Uh, you know, Penn State at three and one. They do play Penn this weekend. I think that's in Philly. If Penn State can win this game and they have a win over Penn and, and, and Villanova, they're going to rise. And, and, and they're better than 11. But I just feel like based on, you know, what we've seen to this point from them, but more importantly from the other teams ranked ahead of them, hard to justify ranking them higher than some of the teams that, you know, we'll be discussing in the next few minutes when their lone win is Villanova. So I got Penn State uh, underranked at 11, but 11 no less. Number 10, UPenn at one and one. Again, uh, similar. Uh, we discussed them last week. I had them at 16, which at that point I also knew they were underranked, but they were one at that point. We both thought that they could go down to Duke and knock them off. Um, however, learning of the news that Sam Hanley, their stud, 
midfielder and, and arguably the best midfielder in the whole country. News of him injuring himself, it sounds like his spleen and, and not being able to suit up. I thought, uh-oh, you know, maybe this is what Duke needs in order to get this win. But it didn't change the fact that I thought Gallagher would win the faceoffs. I was actually rooting for Jordan Ginder because I, I coached him in, in uh, indoor box last summer and got to know him pretty well. But I did think that Gallagher would, would probably control the matchup. Uh, sure enough, Penn does a great job. They're so well coached, and, and they're really a complete team. Uh, I don't think Birkinshaw has played great for them yet, and I think he will. I know he's a great goalie, but he hasn't played great yet. But Penn at one and one, playing two ranked teams in Maryland and Duke. Credit, uh, credit Mike Murphy for scheduling such a, a, a tough schedule. Um, you know, their next game is Penn State. I mean, unbelievable. Their first three games are, are Maryland, Duke, Penn State. You can't get much tougher than that. And they're one and one after two. Um, and I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna give Penn State all they can handle. Uh, I do think Penn State bounces back and beats them in this game. But I like Duke at ten at one and one with their win over Duke and a loss to Maryland. All right, um, number nine, Maryland. Maryland, yeah, three and one. Uh, the game versus Navy got canceled this past weekend due to the norovirus that over 30 members of the Navy team were suffering from. I uh, hope they had enough toilet paper down there in Annapolis. It sounds awful. By the way, uh, me and Torp had that happen to us going to Ohio State in 2008. What, we actually had to play. We had norovirus? Yeah, we had, we had norovirus go through our entire – I'm going to vote the – um, norovirus handling award to Stephen Ayers, who I think is the only person who could contract the norovirus and have and actually feel better after he got it than before he got it. <laughs> I'm voting Stephen Ayers as the as the inaugural winner of the uh, thank God I got the, the norovirus I feel great award. <laughs> uh, so Maryland, okay, you look at Maryland, and they've played, again, a very tough schedule. They've played three ranked teams, Richmond, Penn, Villanova. They came from behind late to beat Richmond. They did the exact same thing against Penn. They couldn't stretch it out and do it for a third time against Villanova. They lose that game midweek on Black Tuesday. Their game versus Navy gets canceled. Fact of the matter is they're 3-1. and one. They've played three ranked teams. Their other win is over high point. They play Notre Dame this weekend. You know, I, I have them ranked second of all the teams with one loss. Uh, and that's on the strength of their schedule that they've played. So um, I feel good about Maryland at nine. Again, when it's all said and done, my guess is they'll be ranked higher than this at the end of the season. But right now, based on where everybody is, I've got Maryland ranked at nine. All right, so number eight, Virginia. Uh, did you watch that game against Princeton? I did. I watched virtually the whole game as I was going back and forth between that game and the Penn State Yale game. And then once Hopkins Carolina started, I was doing uh, the three way. And so, uh, yes, I watched a huge portion of this game. So uh, thoughts on Virginia? You know, I, I think at some point they were due for what people would maybe consider a letdown. Um, you know, but, but I don't think, I think saying that Virginia let down doesn't do Princeton's coaching staff and Princeton's players 
justice. It just doesn't. It's not fair to them. It's not like Virginia went out and played poorly. I thought that Princeton played really well. First of all, um, they competed at the, at the face-off X and in the middle of the field. I thought they did a great job of, of neutralizing that traditional advantage for Virginia and their wings. Uh, the goalie, Peters, for Princeton played phenomenally well. You know, I don't know the final tally of saves that he was credited for, but, you know, Virginia could have scored way more goals than they actually did. So many of his saves were, were really high-quality stops. Um, Mikey Sowers, I think, validated that he's the best overall player in the country. And to the credit of his supporting cast, which, you know, we have spoken about, and I know I have spoken about as the difference between Mikey Sowers and Grant Amen is that Grant Amen has a, a great supporting cast and Mikey Sowers does not. I think what you saw was the emergence of a, of a really good supporting cast with, um, you know, Brown scoring four goals. I think Robertson had four goals. Your boy Slusher that you were speaking about scored two fantastic goals, one of which the first one was incredible. Um, you know, in the fourth quarter, I think, you know, we saw a supporting cast that, that took a major step up. And if those guys could continue to play that solidly, and Mikey Sowers is Mikey Sowers, this is a team that has to be considered among the very best teams in the country and a threat to win it all. You know, the thing that I love about Mikey Sowers so much is that, you know, even though he's the man and everybody on the field and everybody watching the game knows he's the man, he doesn't force very much stuff you know he doesn't turn the ball over very often it wasn't like they brought the ball over the midline and just gave him the ball and everybody moved around while Mikey Sowers ran back and forth that, that's not what they did they were initiating from the wings they were initiating from up top you know they did a great job of utilizing the shot clock to minimize the amount of time that Virginia's dangerous offense had and then towards the end of the shot clock Mikey Sowers would get the ball and make some things happen and he, he really seemed to get his points, four and four, I think, is what he finished with, within the framework of Princeton's, you know, clock management scheme. And in this day and age with the shot clock, for, for them to be that patient and for him to be that patient, it really, I think, um, is a feather in, in Matt Madelon's cap. I, I think Matt Madelon, you know, has to be the coach of the week this week or pretty close to it. Um, what a what a great performance by Princeton, more so than a, I think a poor performance from Virginia. Yeah, I agree. I thought I didn't think Virginia played their best. I thought they were a little sloppy with the ball. Um, you know, turn it over in some ways that you know they're probably uh, going to be looking back and kicking themselves because you just can't you can't turn it over and win a big game. Um, but like you said, they were due for um, a little bit of a letdown because they had been the cardiac kids, you know, for like you know going for a year. Um, so it was bound, it was bound to happen. Um, and they'll learn from this. I think Virginia looked very athletic. Um, but like you said, to Princeton's credit, they, they were running physically. They were, they did not look smaller, slower and at a major disadvantage. And I think Virginia looks is so athletic. Um, and I really thought they had some guys that did a pretty good job on Mike Sowers as far as running with him. I mean, I was super impressed. It's hard to imagine that, you know, you did a great job when a guy went four on four, four and four and scored like four one-on-one -on -one goals, but, but they actually did. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't worry about Virginia. And I think that this is a loss that is going to help Virginia 
it's coming at some point. And yep. for these guys to get it early, especially to a non-ACC opponent, it's going to yep. help them when they get in the ACC. So I, this, this, this will be something that I think Lars and his staff look back at and say, you know what, that was a po very positive turning point for us. Yep. You get tougher when you lose. You don't get tougher when you win. No doubt. All right, so number seven, Georgetown at 3-0. and yeah, you know, this is part of the subjective the subjectivity of this of this poll. Uh, Georgetown hasn't played anybody. They pounded Lafayette 17 to 3. They beat UMBC 14 to 8. They pounded Fairfield 25 to 12. They haven't played any ranked teams. They got Mount St. Mary's coming up. Um, you know, I, I don't have any reason to really say, hey, this is why I can defend Georgetown being ranked seven, except for the fact that they're undefeated. And they've pounded everybody that they've played to this point. So, uh, you know, perfect example of a part of the poll. In fact, the next few teams are parts of the poll where, you know, tough to, tough to say, hey, this, this, this team deserves to be here because they haven't played anybody. But I just think um, the fact that they're blowing everybody out and they're undefeated, I've got them ranked seven. Yeah. So Mount St. Mary's they have tomorrow and then they've got Towson on Saturday. Um, and then they start getting into the thick of the of the schedule. So we shall see. Um, but they look solid so far. I did go to that game. They scored 10 third-quarter goals. I mean, Fairfield is actually I, – I, I think Fairfield is pretty good. I mean, they can score goals. I don't know how good their defense is. I know their 10-man their ride was, was awesome, and it kind of kept them in the game. Um, in the first half, they got a few ride-back goals uh, doing that. But, you know, this uh, – Georgetown has – seems to have good goaltending. Um, Face-offs – you know, they struggled, and then they put their second guy in, and he dominated. Um, and then, you know, the, probably the, one of the most underrated players is uh, Jake Carraway. Uh, this kid is a beast. Um, so it's a pretty good recipe for them. We'll see as they move forward. Yeah. All right, so number six, Cornell at 3-0. Similar to Georgetown, uh, they haven't played anybody that's ranked yet. They beat Albany 19 to 10. They beat Towson 17 to 10. They beat High Point 21 to 11. They're averaging 19 goals a game. I think what we're seeing is a team that is starting to hit its stride because they're having face-off success. You know, that along with the emergence of some great freshmen, John Piatelli has shown he's one of the best players in the country. Jeff Teat is Jeff Teat. And this kid, Michael Long, is that his name? Long, the freshman. I mean, he exploded on Friday and, and he had another great game yesterday. Uh, you know, they've got two really good face-off guys. They've got arguably the best long stick in the country in Salvatore, one of them. Uh, they're getting good goaltending. You know, they're still letting up a little too many goals for my liking. But at 3-0, and but having not played anybody, um, you know, this is just optics. I'm putting them at six, slightly ahead of, of Georgetown. We're going to find out a lot more about Cornell this Sunday when they play Ohio State. They need, they need, to, they need to beat Ohio State the way that, uh, you know, they've beaten these other teams for them to be a little more justified. But on optics, I like them at six. Number five, North Carolina. Again, this is the trifecta. These three teams together, Carolina – Cornell, Georgetown, all teams that have played relatively soft schedules, but Carolina, I have them ranked ahead of Cornell and Georgetown simply because they played Hopkins, who was in the top 20 at one point, um, and, they, and they pounded Hopkins. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel like at 4-0, 
with Chris Gray, a superstar first-team All-American Player of the Year candidate who's added balance for them. He went 8-1 and one in this game versus Hopkins. They got Denver out in Denver this weekend coming up. That's going to give them the opportunity to get a ranked win under their belt at 5-0. and oh. That will be uh, a little more justified. But again, you know, this is optics. I like the way they're playing. The heels look different. They, they, they have an uptick. They, they, they've shown that they're a better team. I like their face-off guy. I like their uh, balance. They're running two midfields. I like their balance between attack and D. And their goalie, uh, I think, is very, very good as well. So I got them at five. Anytime you add an elite ball carrying, playmaking, ex-attackman to a team, it's it's going to make a big difference. And, and the heels are definitely reaping the benefits of that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they do against Denver. We'll talk about our picks later. Um, how about number four, Notre Dame at 2-0? Uh, Notre Dame was in this group, but they certainly played a ranked team this weekend, and they pounded them, pounding Richmond 13-5. to I thought Richmond would cover this. Lax Vegas lines had it at Notre Dame minus four. And I thought that that was, uh, you know, an attractive bet for Richmond to cover that based on the way Richmond has played this year and based on the fact that Richmond, I believe, beat the Irish last year. It was not going to happen. While Notre Dame was down 4-2, they did come back and pound them behind the strength, as you said, of Charlie Leonard, who, again, dominated the faceoff guy, X. I, mean, I think he even scored a goal in this game. Um, so... I, you know, I got them at four. They got Maryland this weekend. We're going to find out a lot about them. And if they're able to beat Maryland, you know, they're going to be, they're going to have an argument for, for the number one spot in the poll. But right now I have them at four, considering that their, their lone win is Richmond. Number three, Syracuse. Syracuse, uh, again, they also from, just optics alone look good. They, they look more complete. They beat uh, an Army team that was coming off a, a tough Tuesday night loss to Maris where they got pounded, you know, 17 to 9. And so I expected Army to bounce back, and they did. They played hard. They played well. But it's just tough to beat Cuse up there. And uh, they, you know, they ultimately fell to Cuse 9-7. That's Cuse's first ranked win they have only played one ranked team. I just like the way that they look. I like their players. They got great production from their from their midfields, um, but but not very much from their attack. You know, Army held them down pretty good to hold Syracuse to nine goals. Yeah. Pretty impressive. That that I, I honestly thought it would be a higher scoring game than that. Um, but but again, I think Cuse just from the way that they look, they look. I got no problem with them at three. Um, and we're, but we're gonna, they got a challenge with Hobart. Hobart can score goals. And if Hobart can win faceoffs, they're going to put some pressure on Syracuse to, to, to outscore them. Um, last year, Syracuse pounded them, and I think I picked Hobart to win that game in this podcast. So I won't make that mistake this time, but I do think that uh, it's going to be a, a closer game than it was last year. So this will be another, uh, another good opportunity for Cuse to cement their spot at three. Did you watch that game, the Cuse Army game? I did not. I didn't. I was doing a clinic up at Berkshire. Got it. Okay, so number two, Princeton. Vault yeah. from not in the top 20 to number two. Yeah. I mean, listen, you look at you look at their team. They're 3-0. They, you know, pounded Monmouth. Didn't mean much. They beat them by 11 goals. They pounded Colgate, and they go down to Virginia. 
I watched this game, as you and I just discussed, Cork called it the biggest, the biggest win for Princeton lacrosse in 10 years. You know, and, and, and credit Princeton so many times during the game, Virginia, you know, rallied back to get it within one or two. And you felt like, uh-oh, here it comes. Now Virginia's just going to, they're going to take the lead and they're going to break Princeton's heart. And Princeton just didn't allow it to happen. They won key faceoffs. They got key saves. They scored key goals. They played uh, great between the lines. They, they seemingly were a little more organized, played, I thought, a little bit harder. Um, you know, it's a massive jump. But they're 3-0. and They got a win over the defending national champions that were number one and deserved to be number one based on, you know, Virginia beating two ranked teams, uh, you know, in Loyola and Lehigh and having no losses and, and, and going through their run at the end of the season the way that they did. Uh, I don't have a problem putting Princeton, you know, at the top of, of those undefeated teams or, or second. Um, and so they play Hopkins at home, I believe, this weekend. It's going to be a very, very scary game for Princeton. Coming off a great win against Virginia, against a Hopkins team that hasn't played well in two weeks, losing to Loyola, um, you know, losing to Carolina. I, Hopkins, I think, is going to be uh, – they're going to be fired up for this game. This is a very dangerous game for Princeton. Yeah, again, Princeton, Princeton really – showed well athletically. That was what I was excited about. I mean, they've had skilled players, you know, but I felt like in the past defensively, they just haven't been as athletic in the middle of the field and defensively as they seem to be right now. Um, obviously, they got huge uh, production in the goal. Um, Eric Peters um, is a kid who grew up in Colorado that um, I've watched grow up over the years and really psyched that he's standing up to the heat and getting he, – he was unbelievable against them. He really robbed Virginia in, in the first quarter, man, like six or seven times. Yes, yes, exactly. You know, that, that could have – it could have been over. Yeah. He kept making those saves. You know, that, that's what was so impressive. He kept making those saves. And it almost looked like he really got into the heads of the Virginia shooters because as the game wore on, it looked like Virginia was trying to get really greedy in where they were putting the ball in the goal and missing some shots that uncharacteristically uh, usually go in for them. And I, I love the way Princeton's – I love what they're doing on offense too. I mean, like you said, they're sharing the ball. You know, it's not like Mike Sowers back in, in the day like with Rob Pinnell where he just has the ball right. for like 30 minutes. Or, That's right. You know, I mean, he's moving the ball. He moves it. And then he gets it back. And But other guys, but they have other players that can make plays. And they're doing a lot of two-man game with him, which really opens things up because, you know, basically a two-man game subtracts defenders from the help. So yeah. now when you have to slide to Sowers coming off of a pick, you know, now there's three guarding four. And whether he's skipping it to someone for a shot, whether he's moving it, it's just a great look. And I really – I like what they're doing a lot. Um, so I think this uh, – I'm, I'm happy for Princeton, happy, happy to see them back um, in, in, at the, at the, at the, up there in the rankings, and, and I agree with your pick. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just more fun when Princeton's good. And as a Brown guy, you know, I don't root for Princeton. But college across is more fun when Princeton is good. Just like I don't root for Duke in basketball, but it's more fun when they're good. Notre Dame and football, same thing. You know, I think that um, – you know, game planning for Mikey Sowers is going to be really tough. I, I think that you're better off having him score eight dodging goals than you are sliding to him 
and you know, letting them get layups and letting them get everybody else involved. I would, I would honestly, I wouldn't slide to him. I, would, I wouldn't pick him up until the goal line extended. And I'd invite him to take those shots that are, you know, one and a half steps above the goal line extended and see if he can score eight of those. Um, because this kid has perfect vision. He does not miss the open guy ever when he's open. He doesn't. And he, he doesn't throw it away much. I mean, you know, I know you said that already, but I mean, he just makes the easy pass. He makes the right play. Um, really impressive. So uh, number one, Yale um, with a such, I mean, they just keep doing it. Um, they had a balanced amount of, you know, their scoring attack was really balanced. They won faceoffs as expected. Um, most impressive the way they held Penn State's offense down. I mean, that, how do they do it? You said you watched that game. Yeah, I watched that game. Um, first and foremost, you know, they won the first seven faceoffs of the game, right? And this is a team that's so well coached. They're so smart. They know exactly who they are in all facets of the game, which again goes back to their coaching. But it also goes back to the culture of their program here. I got two guys on my team, Eric Scott and Mark Lassini, that are Yale grads. And these guys are as dialed in and as accountable as you could ever hope to have as a coach on your team. And it's just, you know, two guys that have gone through that program and it, 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 it's reflective of the culture that Andy Shea has created during his, you know, 15 plus years there as the head coach. And when you factor in that they're winning that many face-offs, it just makes it so hard to play Yale. And, and Yale really was on the verge of blowing them out, Jamie. They, 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 I, I was kind of like waiting for it to be a blowout, which is sick. Um, you know, so that's one piece. The other piece that was surprising to me was the job that Chris Fake did on Grant Amen. Grant Amen ends up going one in five. But the fact is, is, is Chris Fake won that matchup over the first three quarters. You know, he, he, he helped really make Penn State's offense play in a way that they aren't accustomed to playing. And I think that that can't be understated when you look at Yale's team. And, and I thought the goalie played well. Um, you know, they didn't clear very well. As, as Andy Shea, what did he say? They couldn't clear their throats. Was that his quote? Um, you know, they didn't clear very well, which is kind of uncharacteristic of them. But they really dug in on the defensive end, and they held Penn State to 10 goals. This offense, they hold the 10 goals. You know, Penn State scores 10 goals in a quarter a lot of times. And they uh, – you know, they struggled against this Yale team. And Yale absolutely deserves to be the number one team this week. Their two wins over ranked Villanova, 18-12, to 12, over Penn State, 12-10. They've played two games. Both teams are against ranked teams. You know, this is, this is a scary, scary team. Andy Shea is, has just cemented himself as uh, arguably the best coach in the country. Yeah, impressive. And, and most impressive, like you said, is the culture. I mean, it's like this a, a factory of account of, of it's like an accountability factory that they're created there. It's unbelievable, and they just did one one class after another. Um, obviously, wouldn't face off to the degree they are makes a, a massive difference. No question. Okay, so let's um, talk real quickly about a new segment. So John Canaris, um, CEO of Oxia Time, created these awesome watches. They're Swiss watches. They're $5,000 watches that you can get for about $1,000. Oxiatime.com. Um, I have one. You have one. I have my brown 
uh, logo on there. Um, and they're really, I mean, like you say, it's like the nicest thing I own. <laughs> so we're going to do, we're going to do um, a segment each week um, with a player of the week. And Andy, you're going to pick it. The Oxia time player of the week for this week is. For me, it's Chris Gray at Carolina eight and one at Hopkins. I think I read that this was the most amount of goals that Carolina had ever put up on Hopkins at Homewood. Um, he's changed their team. We talked about them a little bit before. Not only is he, uh, you know, an attackman that can dodge and score, he makes them really dangerous in transition. He makes a lot of, you know, just plays out of sort of nothing, you know, whether it's a ground ball, a broken play. He just has a knack for getting himself in great scoring position and to go eight and one in his debut as a Tar Heel against Hopkins. Difference in the game here. Uh, so I got Chris Gray. All right, I'm going to go with Mike Sowers. He had this week, he think he had 24 points. <laughs> He's averaging 12 points a game, this week. Uh, <laughs> including the signature win of the decade, according to Paul Carcaterra, which I don't even disagree with. I mean, it was just. Oh, I like it. I, I think it makes sense. I hadn't thought about it, but go ahead. And uh, so to go four and four against the defending champs and, to, and on the heels of a three and 11 game. Um, granted, that was uh, against Colgate, who's struggling a little bit defensively. But man, this kid's putting up numbers. So the Oxia, my Oxy time player of the week is Mike Sowers. Great. All right. So let's go through uh, your picks for next week. OK, we're going to do this. We're going to rattle through these pretty quick. There's a lot of games. Great. Because your one keeps growing and we got a bunch of midweek games. So here we go. UMass at UMass Lowell. UMass. Monmouth at Wagner. Monmouth. Mount St. Mary's at Georgetown. Georgetown. Robert Morris at Drexel. Drexel. Bucknell at Binghamton. Bucknell. I point at Virginia. A repeat. I got Virginia. Harvard at Holy Cross. Harvard. Hofstra at Stony Brook. Oof. I got a Hofstra. Hartford at Marist. Marist. Housen at, at Loyola. Loyola. Richmond at Duke. Duke. Hobart at Syracuse. Syracuse. So those are the, the uh, Duke, Richmond, and Syracuse Hobart games are Friday night games, by the way, which is pretty awesome. I love having Friday night lacrosse games available to us. Uh, Wagner at Mercer. Mercer. High point at Bobby Moe. High point. Sacred Heart at UMBC. UMBC. Brian at Manhattan. I'm going to take uh, Manhattan. Loyola at Lafayette. Loyola. Sienna at NJIT. Sienna. Stony Brook at Rutgers. Rutgers. Bellarmine at Georgetown. Georgetown. Villanova at Delaware. Wow. I'm going to take Villanova. How about Merrimack at Vermont? Merrimack coming at, coming, coming, um, come, coming off, sorry. Merrimack coming off their first division one win at Michigan. Yeah, that's, that's going to, uh, that's going to be a tough one for Michigan to handle, particularly given the fact that Merrimack had lost to Dartmouth and had lost to uh, – what was the other team they lost to? 
Who did Merrimack lose to? I can't remember who they played. Who they played? They lost to uh, Holy Cross, Dartmouth, and Fairfield. Yeah, yeah, Fairfield. Oh, they lost to Holy Cross too, huh? Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a bad loss for Michigan, man. There's no question about it. Um, so Merrimack at Vermont. I got Vermont. VMI at at the Mount. I got the Mount. They're playing well, actually. Mount St. Mary's is they're scrappy. They're a scrappy bunch, and they had a they had a. Uh, solid win. They, they beat Towson and they lost to UMBC. I can't remember on that one, actually. Yeah, they beat Towson. I think they lost to UMBC. All right, so BMI at Mount St. Mary's. You got the Mount. Marist yep. at Bucknell. Bucknell. BU at Colgate. BU. Notre Dame at Maryland. That's a really tough game. I'm going to say Maryland. Uh, Holy Cross at Army. Army. Hopkins at Princeton. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Princeton. I, 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 I thought this, this is a trap game for Princeton, but I just feel like the strength of Mikey Powers and their offense, Mikey Sowers and their offense – they just look – they look like they've been waiting for this moment since Mikey Dowers got to Princeton. I, I'm going to say that they find a way to get it done. I'm going to stay – I'm going to stay with Princeton. Yeah, I agree. I think they're good enough. LIU at Hofstra. Hofstra. St. Joe's at Monmouth. St. Joe's. Penn State at Penn. I, I, I think that uh, Penn almost beat them last year. I do think that this Yale loss is going to help Penn State. And I think uh, a full week of realizing that you don't have to prepare for Sam Hanley because he's hurt is going to help Penn State. The face-off battle is going to be phenomenal between Gallagher and Arcieri. Uh, I, I, Mark Ivanchak covering Grant Ament. Is he going to be able to do the job that Chris Fake did? I don't know. He's not quite as fast. He's every bit as tough. I think that Penn State is going to find a way to get this done, but I see it being a game that, that is over 30 goals scored. QPAC at Fairfield. Fairfield. Harvard at Albany. That's also a really interesting game. Um, at Albany, I think that uh, – I think Scotty Marr finds a way to get his guys to win this game up in Albany. It's a long trip. It's a bus ride. I'm going to go with Albany. Dartmouth at UMass Lowell. Dartmouth looks looks like they are are improved from where they were the last couple of years. They're two and zero. You can't get better than that start. I'm going to I'm going to say that Dartmouth goes. Dartmouth wins that game and goes three and zero. Yale at UMass. Uh, Yale. Marquette at Drexel. Drexel. St. John's at Michigan. I think Michigan bounces back, and I think that they win that game. I got Michigan. Navy at Lehigh. So coming off the norovirus, I do feel like Navy um, is inspired. Um, and, I, and, I, and I'm not that impressed with Lafayette. While they won the faceoffs, they've had some guys that have, have put up some big numbers on the offensive end. I didn't think they looked great against Virginia, but I didn't think either team really looked that inspired in that game. 
uh, they certainly had, you know, everything that they could handle against BMI. I, I, um, <laughs> uh, really high right now, right? What's that? Navy really high? I don't know. I'm going to go with Navy. All right. I'm going to do it one more time, and we're just going to yeah. make this one shorter. Yeah. All right. Navy, Lehigh. Navy. Utah at Jacksonville. Utah. Providence at Brown. <sighs> Providence is going to be scary. And coming off a loss versus St. Joe's, but as an alum, I, I'm picking Brown. Cornell at Ohio State. I got Cornell. Furman at Duke. Duke. Air Force at Virginia. Virginia. In the last game of the weekend, North Carolina at Denver. Great game. I got the heels. All right. Awesome stuff, Andy. As usual, I love listening to your analysis, your opinions. Um, have a great week, and we'll catch you next time. Great. Thanks, Jane. Great job. How's it going, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to my podcasts. I've had so much fun doing them. I only wish that I'd started recording my lacrosse conversations like 25 or 30 years ago. Now, if you like these podcasts, you will love the content I've created in the JM3 coaches training programs and the academies. Whether you're a coach or a player or a parent, there's so much great information for you guys. I've done this content for men's lacrosse and women's lacrosse, for box lacrosse, field lacrosse, youth lacrosse, and the great news is I've created a seven-day free trial. So if you're tired of endlessly searching the internet for great content, just go to www.jm3sports.com slash free trial. And you can get access to all of the content I've created for free for seven days.